Good morning. Can we wave at each other? It's so good to see you. The last three Sundays, seeing people come in, it is so wonderful to see you come in. If you're a guest here this morning with us, we welcome you. I think there may be a couple of folks coming in who haven't visited with us before, so make sure you welcome them. There are chairs up here for anyone who does not have a chair. And again, it's so wonderful to be together. And a beautiful day. Thank you for your flexibility. I want to thank our team, tech team, and the trustees and ushers for their flexibility. We're trying to pay attention to the weather and uh, to pay attention to the needs of everyone. And so um, thank you for your flexibility. We know that throughout history, the saints have gathered in lots of different situations and conditions. And these are actually pretty good, given, to, given where some people have gathered and probably are gathering this morning. The psalm for the week this week was Psalm 130. And I want you to listen to this with me and to think about where you were this week. Where, what did you experience this week? What did you, um, were you aware of this week? Uh, where were your emotions this week? And just to remind us that wherever we have been, wherever, whatever we have experienced this week or weeks preceding, God is always with us, amen? God is always with us, and God always provides hope. Amen? And so I want you to hear that in, in this psalm this morning. Hear the psalmist crying out of the depths, he says, crying out of the dark and deep places, and hear his words to us this morning. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for your mercy. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? And of course, the answer is none of us could stand if God kept a record of all of our sins. But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning more than watchmen wait for the morning. And I love that idea that we sometimes just have to wait. We sometimes just have to rest in the depths. We want to get out of the depths as quickly as we can, but sometimes it is in that waiting, like the watchmen wait for the morning, that the Lord comes to us. Oh, Elizabethtown, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem us from all our sins. And I'm going to ask you to repeat with me after me each line of those last two verses. Oh, Elizabethtown. Oh, Elizabethtown. Put your hope in the Lord. So our neighbors can hear us. Ha. For with the Lord is unfailing love. Ah. And with him is full redemption. He himself will, will, redeem us he will redeem us from all of our sins. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, who is present with us this morning and present in this community, we give you thanks that we can gather together as your people. We thank you that in the midst of anything we've experienced this week, even up until this moment this morning, that you have been with us and you've promised until the end of the age, I am with you. And so it's that, it's in you alone that we have our hope this morning. There is nothing else that grounds us, nothing else that centers us, nothing else that brings us back to our senses like you do. And so this morning we gather to come back to our senses. This morning we gather to come back to you 
This morning we gather to worship in your presence. And so thank you for all who come this morning. And I just ask in the name of Jesus that wherever we have come from this week, that we would allow your spirit to minister to us, who is an ever-comforting spirit, an ever-guiding spirit, an ever-present spirit. You have not left us orphans, but you have kept us safe with you. Bless uh, Kate and Heather as they lead in worship, Andy, Bethany, myself as we share every part of this service this morning. We commit to your hands and your will. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have not grabbed a song sheet and you need one, just raise your hand and um, Bethany will get a sheet to you. particular emotion this morning and 
know for myself, the feelings that um, are labeled trouble, so to speak, um, often leave me feeling like I shouldn't even be having those feelings. Whether it's fear or anxiety, you name it. I love, I love the ending of the bridge of the way, and it goes like this. My fears and doubts, they can all come too because they can't stay long when I'm here with you. And I love that this song recognizes that those feelings come with us. It's normal and it's okay. God created us to have emotions, but it's what we do with those emotions that matter. Jesus, to bring them before his throne, to bring them into the light, into the truth of, of what Jesus provides. So I would like you um, to take a few minutes to identify some of these emotions that you bring with you this morning. And we're going to sing through um, a chorus while you're doing that. I just encourage you to know that these emotions and these feelings are okay. And Jesus, Jesus cares. He sees you and he wants, he wants to help you with those emotions. I encourage you just to surrender them, to lay them at his feet this morning.
morning, everybody, and welcome to our Back to School Sunday. Um, I think most of you maybe have started school maybe last week or even the week before, um, but some of you actually are starting this week. Um, if you maybe are starting kindergarten or, I don't know, maybe some college students are. But this is our Back to School Sunday, so that's why um, I'll be sharing, and then Jess and Andy are going to share, and then Conrad and Heidi will share. Um, so I think I'm going to start our time with prayer and then um, talk to you guys. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning and we thank you for, um, for our sunshine. And we thank you for a, a breeze. We thank you for um, all of us who are here um, gathered together. And we thank you for the ones who are gathered um, in their homes. Um, and um, aren't here with us in person. We just thank you for the way that you have brought us to this day. We thank you, Father, that you are our sustainer. Um, you are our, um, you uphold us. And we just um, praise you for uh, this morning. We just ask that you would be um, near to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'd like to start off with a couple questions for you. Um, have any of you ever played Follow the Leader? Raise your hands. I want you to raise your hands. Um, have any of you ever been blindfolded and then had to trust somebody either to fall backwards or to direct you? Um, I do this a lot. Have you ever felt the wall to like get to the light switch and then turn on the light switch in the dark? Um, have you ever gotten lost? Like in a car or maybe on skis or lots of different places. Have you ever gotten lost? And have you ever been in a car with somebody who took a wrong turn and needed to stop to ask for directions? Have you been the person that had to stop to ask for directions? <laughs> it's pretty scary to be in the dark. It's pretty scary to feel like your eyes are closed, like figuratively, figuratively and actually literally. Um, or maybe your map isn't working, your GPS, so like you don't have service, and so then it doesn't work. You didn't count on that. It's scary to be without something that you counted on or you trust in. Um, it's unnerving. And a lot of times I think the fear that we're thinking about or worrying about or fearing is this like idea of the unknown. Because we've never done this or experienced that or we never went there, never talked to that person. Like that's, that's a little nerve wracking, right? So it's the unknown that's, that can be scary. Because I think sometimes we imagine a lot of things in our heads that actually might not come true. Like this story we imagine, well, that could happen, and what if, and <laughs> and then you can't turn that off. If I think back, kids, to the times that I felt the most nervous, it was probably at the start of a school year, and especially when I had to go to a new school. So like when I started kindergarten, even always the first day, when I went to the middle school, and then when I went to the high school, that first day it's just like, you get a little flippy in your stomach. And like, maybe you, your heart pounds a little bit. Um, you have to breathe fast. How many of you guys have already started school? Raise your hands. And if you're going to a new school or a different, or doing school differently this year, raise your hand. How many of you got on a school bus for the first time this year? Anybody? Okay, and if you aren't a child, do you remember getting on the school bus for the first time? Like, 
that step was huge. I remember in kindergarten, that's this big step to climb up there, and I was terrified. Do you remember what it feels like to walk into the classroom for the first time and like be searching for your name on the desk, like looking for that big name tag with Bethany G, you know? Walking up in rows of desks, searching and wishing for your friends to be in the same class as you. Some of you guys experienced all these things this week. Um, and I absolutely loved, those of you who sent me your first day of school pictures, I loved them with your new backpacks and your new lunch boxes and maybe a mask that's new, um, your new sneakers. I think my favorite, very favorite thing was backpack shopping when I went back to school. And when I was telling you earlier about that little flippy feeling that maybe you felt, did you know that maybe your moms and dads had those same flippy feelings in their stomachs when they put you on the bus? Or maybe when they dropped you off for the first time and you walked in that door and they just saw your back and they couldn't see your face. Maybe your parents felt a little flippy, but like, what am I supposed to do here? Like, I think if any time we have made harder decisions in the midst of unknowns, it's been this year. It didn't matter how you made it, when you made it, where you made it, what you made. It was hard. There was more questions than answers. And we were really like feeling our way through the dark, looking for that light. So when you guys have that flippy feeling in your stomach, just know that your moms and dads probably have that too. We feel the same things as you do. This past week, we were together with some friends and one of our friends played the song, Fear is a Liar. And I'm sure when you hear that, you know that that song is. Um, and when we were asked the question, where does fear come from? He said that fear comes from Satan. The fear that holds on to you, that, that comes from Satan. And that is the truth about fear because fear is a liar and fear comes from the biggest liar, Satan. But like Kate said, feeling fear or being afraid, being nervous, that's not bad. I mean, you're allowed to feel all those things. And being able to say what you are feeling is also very important. Just saying, listen, I feel really afraid right now. I'm nervous about walking into that school classroom. Recognizing that your feelings or emotions are not in control of you is the next most important thing. That you don't have to do things based on that. So I'm gonna tell you about what I do sometimes when I'm afraid. Um, and I do this now as an adult. So when I'm afraid to do something or when I'm afraid to have a hard conversation or and I'm afraid to try something new, sometimes I'll just whisper a prayer and say, you go before me, you never leave me. So I want you all to try that. If you think about something that you're doing, just now in your heads, you can just say to yourselves, just say to God, you go before me, you never leave me. I'm like, what does that do? When you do that, what, what feelings does that, what does that matter? Why might that help us when we just say, you go before me, you never leave me? Is it just for us to feel better? Or is it really powerful to invite God into something that you hadn't thought of inviting him into before? What happens when you invite God into something that was afraid before? It's like a nightlight in that dark room. Oh, this, this isn't that scary. Oh, this, th that's just a shadow on the wall. Or that there isn't something on my nightstand. That's, that was just my imagination. There, when you invite God into it, when you say, you go before me, you never leave me,
somehow our things can sometimes feel smaller and the right things start to show up. I still feel nervous, but now I feel like I might be following the leader, right? There's somebody that went before me, so all I have to do is what that person did. So I'm going to read you a few verses that I found in the Bible. And the Bible, um, we've learned this in Sunday school, and I'm not going to ask you to all call it out, but the Bible is the living word. It's God's truth to us. It's God's truth about himself, and it's God's gift of hope for us. And this is what he says inside of it. He says, the Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or do not be dismayed or be dismayed. Deuteronomy 31.8. And then Deuteronomy 1.30 says, the Lord your God who goes before you will himself, he will fight for you. And my favorite, and you guys, we learned this when Colin was like four. They memorized Psalms 139, his Sunday school class. And this is what they did for Psalms 139.5. You hem me in behind and before, and I remember this hem me in behind and before, so it's like a hem of a dress, or I don't know what, he hems me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. So I wanna encourage you today that when you step up on that big yellow bus, or you walk into a classroom with your little nerved, you pray that you go before me, and you never leave me. When you have a tough, tough test or a frustrating reading, like a big chapter that you have to read, you go before me, you never leave me. Maybe if you're frustrated by your siblings or your teacher mom, you go before me, you never leave me. Because if God promises it, it will happen. So I wanna share with you parents something that I experienced just at the beginning of August. Um, Marcia Milan from LMC invited um, some of the children's ministry workers um, from the conference to gather together for um, a prayer time and sort of just like a figuring out how to begin and where to go time <laughs> and to hear from each other. And I have met with this group before and it's always different people that come to it. And we always do, they're in the four chapters, or the four gospels, there are the do not hinder verses, the little children come to Jesus, um, let the little children come verses. And Every time we get together, we, st we spend time in these verses. And I'm kind of like, okay, well, we did this last time. But it's amazing to me how every time I hear it, we do some I hear something different. Every time I read it, another word sticks out. And I know that that's because God's word is living. But this time, we practice this thing called prayer of, imag yeah, prayer of imagination. And you, the, the idea is you pray or you read through a story and you imagine yourself in it. And kids, I think you've done this probably. When you read a book, do you sometimes like imagine what it's like or what you were in it? So this is the first time that I ever did this. And we did it over these verses. So I'm going to tell you about my imagination time when I was praying these verses. And just the way God showed up to me in them. Um, and so... When I imagined it, imagined it was like, I'll tell you about it. So it was like this big, green, grassy, like, field. And there were, like, rocks. And Jesus was sitting on these rocks in, like, a tree over here. And his disciples were, like, sort of standing guard around him or, like, kind of, like, give him his space, you know, just wait. And I was a bystander. Like, I was watching parents, like, line up. I mean, there were kids everywhere. There were kids everywhere. 
and it was like they had blankets out and they were running and then there were parents who were standing in line holding their kids like on their hip and like talking to the parent behind them and they're like wiping their kids faces and like fixing their hair and getting them like sort of set to see Jesus and it was finally time it was finally like they got to the front of the line and the disciples were came up to them and they're like listen he doesn't have time today I'm sorry I know you waited but he just doesn't have time to see them today you guys are going to have to come back again or another time and as the bystander, I like, I couldn't believe the looks on those parents' faces. They were just so devastated. They were like, seriously, I took off work for this. I, 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 I need this. My kids need to see Jesus today. I need to see Jesus today. He needs to heal him. There's something wrong and he needs to be healed. I need, I, I waited for this whole time and they were just angry. They were frustrated, they were disappointed. And I just, I couldn't, and then it was like a little bit that they just were like looking around like, come on, do something about this. And then Jesus was like, let them come. They, the, the kingdom of heaven belongs to these kids and to these people. You let them come to me. And it was like, oh, he said we can. And so then they walked up to Jesus and I just. Um, the way Jesus looked, not only at the children, but at the parents, and he saw them, he just was like, I see you. Like, I really see you. I see what it took to get here. I see what you've been dealing with. I understand what this feels like. And you're doing a good job. You're doing the best you can. And then he looked at the kids, and he, like, saw the whole way through. He saw the whole way, he saw them there at their like three and four year old and maybe 10 year old selves, but he saw them to what they were gonna be. He saw them the whole way through their life to who they were when they met him, when they were gonna meet him in heaven. And it was just like the most powerful thing to watch. And it was almost like an infusion for parents. Like they, they met with Jesus and then they were like this and walked off and they like walked off like puffed, like puffed and ready to do what they had to continue to do. And I. I have never read the children, let the little children come to me verses from with a parent perspective, like what that must have meant to the parents. And so I don't know what all that means for us, but as a mom, I just felt like so seen by Jesus. And I just want to encourage you that what you're doing is enough. Bringing your children to Jesus in prayer, um, um, doing the things when you when you don't know if that's what you're supposed to be doing but this is what god called you to he sees you he loves you and he is for you he will not leave you he will not forsake you he goes before you he comes us in behind and before like keep on keeping on okay And I think that's what I have to prepare to share with you today. Um, I would like to recognize six of the kids in junior department who are moving on from um, junior department to their fifth grade and they started sixth grade. So there's six kids who are moving up um, to middle school youth group this year. And I'm gonna tell you just a little thing about each of them. I'd like to recognize them today, not just because we love them and they're so valuable to us, but because they are created and they are valued and loved by their creator and just how he made them. So I'm gonna tell you 
in alphabetical order. So he created Abby with the beautiful gift of encouragement and hospitality. The Lord uses her gifts to encourage others. And he created Amon with the gift of leadership and the desire to learn and be in community. The Lord is at work in and through him in the lives of those around him. He created Aubrey with the gift of creativity and service. He uses her life and gifts to minister to others. He created Callie with the gift of compassion for others and the desire to worship him. He uses her life and gifts to bring others joy. He created Jesse with the gifts of mercy and with service. The Lord is at work in and through him, through his acts of kindness and gentleness, others see the Lord. And he created Noah. He created Noah with the gift of leadership and the ability to meet others where they are. His gifts of mercy is how the others see the Lord through Noah.
Morning, everyone. Oh. Wendy. Um, sorry, I'm clipping this. My name's Andy, and this is my wife, Jess, and we lead the youth here at E-Town Mennonite, and um, we're super excited to be doing that. It's an awesome season that we're in. Um, so um, we're going to just acknowledge the youth today. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to, you know, say your names, and if you could stand up, and um, we'll go from there. We are just going to be saying the names of the um, kids that are moving up to uh, sixth grade. Um, Bethany did mention some, but we have um, also an, an additional one that um, doesn't attend here but comes to youth group. Um, so we're just going to say their first name, and if you hear your name, please stand up. Um, Jesse, Jonathan, Callie, Aubrey, Abby, Aman, and Noah. These are our um, sixth graders, and we got to welcome them yesterday at a pool party. It was a lot of fun um, getting to know them, and we're really excited to have them joining the youth group. Um, and we also want to say the names of those who are moving from junior high to senior high um, as well. Keep standing. You can keep standing because we're going to pray for you. Um, and so these are our ninth graders, um, Bryson. Brennan, Colin, Emma, Naomi, Benjamin, Ida, Elizabeth, Caleb, and Jaden. So we have 10 actually moving into ninth grade. Our youth group is getting bigger. Okay. Um, and now we went, if you're in the youth group at all, we'd love you to stand up and we're going to... Um, have a prayer for you. Yep, if you are in the youth group, go ahead and stand up. Uh, we asked Dan Klinger to come and um, just pray a blessing over you guys. If so, Dan, if you want to come. Um, this, this is our youth group here at E-Town, and I'm, there is quite a few that are not here today. Um, there, there is, uh, so, um, yeah, it's an awesome number, and I'll share a little bit more about that lately oh if when dan prays if a lot of times i'm a big fan of laying on hands and stuff but because of what's going on if you could just reach out to them and and pray that'd be great all right let's bow our heads dear jesus we are so grateful for the youth that we have here today uh, our congregation has been abundantly blessed to be part of this community and have a youth that are living in the word the, the youth that are being taught by, uh, by the Lloyds and by our congregation. We all have that responsibility, Lord, to, to pray on these uh, youth, and we're so grateful to do it. You know, when we think about the, the, the gifts that Bethany mentioned with compassion, mercy, leadership, and service, we, are, we see this with the youth, and we ask them, Lord, that you continue to, to walk with them boldly in a way that they don't live in fear, because we know the enemy never sleeps. But, Lord, let these youth continue to be on the path of righteousness in a way that they give you honor and glory in all that they do, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Oh, you guys, yeah, sure, go ahead, sit down. 
so just doing some counting. I mean, with those that were here and those that weren't, there's about 30 uh, youth that we have in this church right now from 6th to 12th grade. With no one graduating this year and with the 5th graders moving up next year, as a youth leader likes to plan ahead, though I'm not the best at planning ahead, um, um, that puts our number close to around 40 youth for E-Town Mennonite here, if all were to come. I was thinking about that yesterday, and I was thinking, like, just knowing friends at other churches, being involved in the community and knowing other churches in this area and, and other parts of wherever, with a congregation our size, you don't get that too often. And I really feel like this is a special season that E-Town Mennonite is in right now. And I really challenge our church body to grab a hold of that and to run with it because the youth have spunk. They have lots of energy. They say what? They, the, that is w wasted on the young sometimes, I guess, or you know what I mean? So sometimes we might not have that energy, though uh, I like to be energetic, but I don't know. I don't know where to go with that, but I was just thinking, and this is an opportunity that we don't want to let slip through our fingers. So to, I say that to say, Lee and Megan McClintock help us with the youth. And I just encourage, if you have a heart for the youth in any way, shape, or form, feel free to reach out to Jess or I, to Lee or Megan. Um, we'd love to have you on board, whether it be teaching Sunday school, sharing at youth, leading outreaches, leading fun things to do, making cookies, chocolate chip, maybe with the M&Ms, not being picky, but um, yeah. Pray about it. Seek the Lord and get with us because, oh man, it would be awesome for help. But I just want to share a quick word with you, um, something that I was really challenged by this week. And uh, if you have your Bibles, it's in Second Chronicles 34. Second Chronicles 34. Youth, what's going on in that? What's, what's going on? I'd like to... When we teach Sunday school or have youth group, we open up to um, a passage in the Bible. I like to say, hey, what's going on? What's going on? Now, I know you guys all delve into Second Chronicles. I know you're a big, heavy hitter of that. So let me help you. We got King Josiah going on in this, in this um, passage. And I just want to read the first part here, and then we'll kind of move on a little bit. So <clears throat> Second Chronicles 34 we get introduced to King Josiah. And it reads this. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. He did right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father David and did not turn aside 
to the right or to the left. Now, I find this kind of important, a lot of reasons. One, Josiah was eight when he was king. Two, if you go back into 2 Kings chapter 22, it introduces, the author. that author there introduces Josiah, and he says the exact same thing about Josiah, that he was eight, and that he did right in the sight of the Lord and did not turn to the right or to the left. Now, I was reminded by that this week, and it just caused me to think a lot, and I was driving through a neighborhood a couple times this week. And you know when you're driving, you're focused on the road, obviously, right? You soon to be 16-year-olds. You're focused on the road. You're fo- focused on what's ahead of you. But all of a sudden, in this development, there was a squirrel. And this squirrel saw my car coming. Obviously, I was paying attention to the speed limit. And the squirrel saw, saw me, and he decided to go right. Wait. Then he decided to go left. Then he decided to go right again and left. And I said, squirrel, make up your mind. Driving down a little bit more. And this didn't happen just one day. It happened a few days. So I'm kind of trying to think maybe the Lord's trying to teach me something. But there was a bunny. And there was the bunny sitting in the middle of the road. And I always find that interesting. Why birds and bunnies and, and squirrels like to sit in the middle of the road? Why? Are they trying to, and this is just my thing, are they trying to like join some special elite, you know, bunny class or squirrel class or whatever? Are they trying to be head honchos? Why are you sitting in the middle of the road? Anyway, that's just me. But anyway, this bunny did the exact same thing as a squirrel did. He went to the right, he went to the left, he went to the right again. And I'm slamming on my brakes trying not, not to hit these squirrels or bunnies. And I'm saying to myself, and I, and I think Noah was even in the car with me, I said, why don't you just pick one way and go? So Josiah was eight, and he didn't turn to the left or to the right, but he maintained a straight vision for where he wanted to go. So remind, be reminded of that when um, you see the bunnies and the squirrels and they just don't know which way to go. So Josiah was eight, for in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still a youth, he began to seek God, seek the God of his father, David. So he was eight when he became king, and then in in his eighth year, he began to seek the Lord while he was a youth. So he was eight, plus eight, so then how old was he, Colin? 16. Good job. So 16, he just decided to, he decided to seek the Lord. Who here is 16, 17, 15, 16, 17? Raise your hand. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still a youth, he began to seek the God of, the, of his father, David. And in the 12th year, he began to purge. So 8 plus 12 is, Colin, help me out again. 20. 20, he decided to purge. When he was king, he decided to purge what? He decided to purge his nation of 
different things that was causing his people to turn to the left and to the right. So I just really offer a challenge to the youth because I was challenged this week. And so I also offer this challenge to this body that we don't turn to the left or the right. That when purging needs done, to get those things out of our life that cause us to do go those ways, to get rid of them, to burn them, to turn them to ash like what Josiah did, the idols, the different things. Now, I'm not saying take your $500 phone that you just bought and burn it without maybe talking to your parents or whatever. But what I am saying is just let's get rid of those distractions. This is the season. This is the time that we want to take care of. Youth, you're at the time to just seek God, to seek Him. Get before Him. So, I don't know, that's what I was challenged with this week, and I just wanted to just share that with you. I'm looking forward to this youth group. There's so many, as Bethany said, gifts and talents. So many smiling faces. It's so fun to hang out with all these, these guys and girls. So, anyway.
Heidi and I are going to share. Um, I'm going to share, and Heidi's going to pray for those of our students who are in university or college, as well as faculty. And uh, in the bulletin this morning, the electronic bulletin that you got, Heidi put together um, and did some work contacting people, the names and email addresses, sometimes the addresses of our students uh, who wish to be listed um, in, the, in the bulletin. And I want to encourage you to be in touch with them. Um, and I want to share a word um, for, to all of us, but also to them, and then Heidi will offer a prayer. Um, I think Josiah Kratz is in, I'm not sure, Josiah, we, if Josiah Kratz is not in there, he will be in there. Um, so in March of this year, as many of you know, if you were a college student or a university student, you were sent home uh, in this country. And we did remote learning and we got by. Um, and then lots of decisions were made across the country about what universities were going to do this fall. If you've been paying attention to the news, you know that some universities have closed and sent their students home. Uh, Gettysburg College this week, they've been a lockdown, quarantined in their room since Tuesday. At Bloomsburg, they were sent home. Um, at E-Town, we are still in class. The freshmen came and transfers two weeks ago. This week, the seniors came. And in two weeks, the sophomores and juniors came. I was looking forward to going back to school. But two weeks in, I realized that where I'm at is nothing like I was for the last 28 years. And I say that not for myself, but I say that for you to remember to pray for our students and for the students at Elizabethtown College. I talked to one of our sophomores two weeks ago who came in because of responsibilities. And I said, Evan, how are you feeling about being here? He said, oh, it's great. I asked him yesterday or Friday how it was going, and he said, it's 1 16th of what E-Town is. It's 1 16th of what E-Town is. He said, there's nobody around. The Jay's Nest in the evening is, closed, is open, but no one's there. They've, they've uh, had, to get, had to lay off the student workers. And it is, I'm just saying, my experience and what I'm experiencing with students, it's a the university and college experience right now is a pretty desolate one. So for these students, particularly those who are entering, who have heard for years that this is the best, these are the best years of your life, uh, they're not experiencing that. They are alone. Many of them are in their rooms alone. Many of them get quarantined or sent home. They come to class, we're socially distanced, we're apart from each other, we leave the classroom, I go to my office, there's almost no one on my floor, some faculty are remote, working remotely at home. Again, I'm just saying, to, for those of you who are not in this experience, it is a desolate one right now across this country. And these are children that we prepared for a non-COVID world. They are now in a COVID world. We had no idea, and we talk about this in class, that we would be wearing masks a year ago, that we would be socially distanced. We, we were not prepared for this world, and as parents, we did not prepare our children for this world because we had no idea it was coming. And so in so many ways, what they need right now is not what we gave them. And I'm not speaking to you as parents necessarily, but I'm speaking in general. We prepared them for the American dream. We prepared them for jobs and success. And right now, that doesn't look very dreamy. This is a generation that a week ago I said, when, before COVID, when you asked them, 
sometimes how they're doing, they would say to each other, I'm dead. They were pessimistic going into COVID. And for good reason, as they look at the world around them. This generation is being formed in a way that no other generation before them has been formed. The last 20 years in this country, particularly since 9-11, and they talk about this, have not been optimistic years. And now this is a, they're experiencing this. They're already a generation that has struggled a lot with mental health, anxiety, and depression. And for those of us who are parents, the way that we parented them and kind of rescuing them often and, and a, a, a generation of parents known as helicopter parents because we hovered over them. Nothing we can do for them right now is going to rescue them. We, we can't hover over them and really help them. The only one who can help them is Jesus. I want to read for those students Psalm 23 which came to me as I was preparing. And to just say to you who are students and who will listen to this later, this promise that in your situation, in your room alone, in the marketplace or dining room as you eat alone, as you go to class alone, as you see faculty but aren't really free to talk with them very much, as you see everyone behind a mask, the Lord is your shepherd. He will not, you will not be in want. He makes you to lie down in green pastures. He leads you beside quiet waters. In other words, in the midst of desolation, he wants to restore your soul. He wants to come to you. He guides you in right paths, even in the midst of this crisis and the uncertainty of how it's going to end and what it will end like and what will be after this. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, where nothing is certain, and I just appreciate so much what our leaders shared before I came, and, and I think as parents it gives us great comfort to know that our students and children are in the hands of these leaders. But we heard the sense of fear, uncertainty. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We serve a God who was a pre-COVID God, a COVID God, and a post-COVID God, who is not unsettled by what he's seeing and experiencing, but is with us. You prepare a table before you, before me, in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And we want to say to, the, to you students, surely goodness and mercy and love will still follow you all the days of your life and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I, as I said to my students this week, if you're in a place in the midst of this experience where you have to talk to somebody, please reach out and talk to somebody. Whether it's a teacher, whether it's a parent, whether it's a friend, in the midst of your loneliness, in the midst of what, in the midst of your despair, please talk to somebody. And for those of us who are watching our students and our family, our students, um, I want to encourage you again to go back to the bulletin and look at who those names are. Most of the emails are there, thanks to Heidi. Send them a note. Let them know that you are watching them and caring for them. Let them know that you love them, that where, what they are experiencing, you are present with them. 
Paul says that it's out of our own comfort that we comfort others in 2 Corinthians 2. We have all experienced some times of despair in our lives. And so out of that, we comfort others. And so I want to encourage us as a church to comfort these students. Because comfort really is what they need. Whether you send them a note, whether an email, a package, um, it is time for us to be with them and care for them and let them know we are with them. I want to say this blessing, pray this blessing over our students. Now it's from Ephesians 3. It's one that I've been praying a lot for us as a congregation of the last months. And so to all of you who are students from our church or at the college who, visit, who, who attend our church, for this reason we kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. We pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And we pray that you, being rooted in the midst of unsettled ground, in the midst of what often feels like an earthquake, that you would be rooted and established in his love. That you may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all you think and we think, ask or, we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within you, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I also want to recognize, it's not in the uh, bulletin I think, but there are three STEP students who are from our congregation, the program with Eastern Mennonite University and Lancaster Mennonite Conference, who are currently this year. Dan Klinger is entering, has his first class this month. Don, Donway Deekway is going back for his second year, and Susan Hochstetler is entering her third year. We have had five students in the last five years go through this program, Heidi and also Micah Zizet. And so thank you as a church for supporting them, but pray for them also because it's not going to be the same there either. There's some, some remote learning and a variety of things. Uh, Dan's entering for the first year. So uh, let's just keep these folks in prayer um, at this time. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that there is no God like you, that you are our firm foundation, you are our shepherd and our guide, you are an anchor for our souls. In this um, time that's, that college students and faculty are um, returning to college um, and universities or starting for the first time, Lord, I just pray for your comfort. I pray for your, um, your presence. We thank you that your presence is with them, Lord, all of them. And I, whether they acknowledge you or not, Lord, your presence is there. And I just pray that this would be a time for all the students, Lord, and the faculty, whether they know you or not, to, to um, in the midst of their fear and their loneliness and anxiety, Lord, and whatever they're experiencing, that they would cry out to you. That they would cry out to you, Jesus, and find you to be faithful and true because that's who you are. You are faithful and true. 
And I pray, Lord, for these students and the, and the faculty, Lord, as they, um, as they wake up each day, Lord, and they um, attend class or sit in their rooms, Lord, that they would just that they would experience they would experience you in new and encouraging ways. That they would find themselves connecting um, remotely or in person with other um, believers. That they would feel encouraged and feel supported. Lord, we just pray for their um, safety and their protection, for their well-being. We pray, Lord, for um, choices that they would make, Lord, that honor you and glorify you. We pray for choices that they would make that would be of good self-care. We just pray, I pray, Lord, for a hedge of protection around each one of them. And I would just invite you, congregation, as you sit here now, to think about, to choose one of those students and to just pray for them silently. Pray a hedge of protection around them. Pray for Christ's peace to be upon them. Pray for connections. I'm just going to give you a moment of silence to do that. Lord, thank you. Thank you for hearing our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen.
right down the center. I would like you to turn towards one another. Um, and we're going to sing this blessing over uh, each other as we go this morning. Once the song is done, you are dismissed. Mm -hmm.